Hello and welcome to We Welcome Your Teams, a podcast about football stadium announcers. My name's Rich Hurst and I'm currently the stadium announcer at West Bromwich Albion. Across the series, I'm going to introduce you to the people behind the voices you hear at football stadiums every week. And I'll try and explain the unique reasons why we do the job we do and why we love it so much. Think about it. Clubs have millions of fans, hundreds of staff, squads full of players and large groups of coaches. But only one person gets to grab the mic at five minutes to kick off and welcome the teams to the pitch as the crowd goes mad. It's one of those... So how do you end up getting that gig kind of jobs? Well, you're going to find out from the people who do it. They're the ones that call the shots at grounds up and down the country at all sorts of different levels of the football pyramid. Okay, I'm ready. In true stadium announcer style, I've got my club jacket on, my lanyards around my neck, my trusty clipboard, and my mic is in my hand. So let's crack on. Right then, here we go with episode one of We Welcome Your Teams. And in this episode, I'm interviewing someone quite crucial to this podcast. And when I say crucial, it's about as crucial as the moment that when West Brom played Man City, Brian Kidd, the assistant manager, was on hand to help tell me how to pronounce Kalechi Iheanacho. I know. Yep, this is Alan Keegan. He's been the voice of Old Trafford, Manchester United for over 20 years. So I've asked him about what it's like doing that role, the perks that come with it, and what it's like every time he welcomes the teams. Also going to ask how he got the job, although I'm imagining, because it's Man United, they've probably got a huge academy system where they scout you at under nines level, you spend 10 years working your backside off, and eventually one person makes it big. And the ones who don't, end up having like random mediocre careers at like Blackburn and Preston. <laughs> Let's find out. Here he is, the voice of Old Trafford, first guest on the podcast, Alan Keegan. Hello, Rich. It's uh, great to be here with you and thanks very much indeed. It sounds like a fantastic project that you've got involved in. I'm really looking forward to being part of it. Well, mate, it's been, it's been great kind of talking to you about this because, you know, I think it's, a, a while ago we sort of sounded each other out, didn't we, about like a, a network yeah, the stadium announcers. I don't know how it. I don't know how it would have worked. It's not like we could have got together for a drink every Friday, but but something that just kind of sort of like kept us all together because it does feel quite like quite a cool, unique job, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Because I think there's a bit of um, respect across the board of the stadium announcers, and and the beauty of it is, as you said there in the introduction, it doesn't matter which club you're with, whether it's a Premier League club or whether you're part of the the Northern League or whatever it might be, because we all have that mutual respect. We all do the same job and as you say at five to three or whatever the time is of the match basically we're all there and we know what we're, we're all going through because nine times out of ten we're at the club that we love we're at the club that we want them to do well and we're right behind them and, and we class ourselves as part of the team you know part of the match day experience so yeah there's a little uh, unofficial union there of stadium announcers across the country and obviously some of us know each other a bit better than others and you know, I've got some good friends who are stadium announcers and, and out of that comes friendly rivalry, you know, where we're playing a game against their team. Then there's always a few 
you know, WhatsApp messages going across prior to the match and even during sometimes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great role and it's a fantastic job. And I think we'd all actually say we've got the best job in the world. Mm. So, and, and so how did you get the gig there? Because I'd imagine because it's Man United, you know, there's an academy system. Yeah, there is. <laughs> so how did it happen? Well, um, it's an interesting journey from the point of view that um, I've always been a Manchester United fan. Uh, very fortunate that my wife likes football. So we, we always had season tickets back in the days and indeed still do have them in the family. But um, I suppose if we were to look at the foundation of my getting into the job and in particular getting the role at Man United, it was very much um, an interesting route because I actually worked for Manchester City in the early days. And uh, there's a lot of gasp and horror when I say that. But I was going to say, hello, hello. I know, I know. But as I say, you know, you, you're looking to get into the, the job. You're looking to get your foot in the door. And I happened to be given the opportunity by Manchester City to do some work for them because I did some local radio at the time and they wanted someone to host what was actually their junior blues club um, on a Sunday morning. And they had a... A gentleman called Ian Niven, who was very paramount in running the Junior Blues. He's like a lifetime president. And I'd been recommended by two people, which was from different walks of life, to, to get the job at City. Um, this is what this wasn't to be the announcer, by the way. It's just to host events for them once a month during the season. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I met with Mr Niven, and uh, he was absolutely dying a hard Man City fan. And when he found out that I was a Man United fan, he was a bit unsure. But then a second person, as I said, recommended me. And he said, he said well, look, he said, um, I need someone because our usual presenter can't make it now. He, he, he's moved on. He's moved away from the north of England. Can you start in January and do it till May? And then we'll get someone else who's a City fan. And I thought, well, yeah, fair enough. You know, it's on a Sunday morning. I was trying to cut my teeth, get, in, get my foot in the door, as I said. Not necessarily to be the announcer, just to be in the world of football. And you know what it's like with the world of media. You're looking for any route to get in through. And I saw this as a route for me. So basically, I, I agreed to do it. And, and the payment, this is the interesting part, the payment for doing two hours on a Sunday morning was a couple of season tickets for Main Road. So, Whoa. yeah, I, I was made up, Rich, because that guaranteed me my Derby Day ticket, you know. Yeah, in, 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 yeah I mean, because they were like gold dust to get hold of. And I thought, well, that's the bonus. I've got a lot of City friends, you know, I can give them the tickets, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up doing that job. And then as a result, and you know, I did it. It went really well. And I actually enjoyed it because they used to have players very, very much and more relaxed than now. The players who turn up on a Sunday morning, you might get four or five of the first team squad. You'd have four or five hundred junior blues in what was called the City Social Club. It used to be next to Main Road. Any uh, exit old City fans will remember this. And it was absolutely packed from 10 till 12 on a Sunday once a month. And I'd host it, good morning, welcome to the junior blues. And, you know, we've got Paul Dickoff joining us this morning or Georgie King Clancy. It was back in them days. And the kids would get involved and we'd have games on the stage. But then um, City asked me would I do warm-up on a match day where they had the main announcer, who at the time was a guy called Vince Miller. And Vince was well-known in the Manchester area, really great guy. And 
sometimes he might be working or whatever. So they asked me would I do warm-up to promote the Junior Blues on a match day. So I agreed to that because that was a fantastic platform. And then when Vince was away, I got the double shift because I'd do my warm-up slot, say, from it was a three o'clock kickoff, I might start talking at half one till quarter past two or two, and then Vince would take over. And then when Vince was away, I'd get his shift as well. So I read out the teams and I started cutting my teeth into it. And then eventually, uh, Vince was starting to do more with the hospitality and the corporate side of Man City. And uh, we're talking basically when um, I think David Bernstein was the chairman of Man City, who went on to be the chairman of the, the English FA, the Football Association. I became the announcer at Main Road. Um, so that was all, all good times. And then at the same time, I got a job at Old Trafford working in the hospitality on a match day, doing all the doing a big sweep for the VI, uh, for the corporate guests at Old Trafford. So one week, so of, you were doing both at the same time. Yeah, one week on the pitch at Main Road. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone ever clock you? Did anyone ever clock you that it was you from well, the same from the same two places? Well, the thing is, it, it it was one of those where I suppose it was interesting because each week, you know, one week I was at City, I was on the pitch. The second week, I was inside at Old Trafford, so the exposure wasn't as much because. It was two different roles in many ways. However, um, I did the, the hospitality for Manchester United for about two years. And my my boss there at the time, the commercial director, was a gentleman called Danny McGregor. And they were looking to get a new announcer. This was we're coming up now to the season 2000, August 2000. They were looking for a new announcer at Manchester United. And they wanted someone who they knew. They wanted someone preferably from within the club. And they wanted someone who could do the job, obviously, and was could jump into it straight away. So Danny McGregor recommended me to the secretary and the assistant secretary at the club and said, look, you know, the guy who works with me on a match day and the, the, the corporate hospitality and the facilities there, he's actually a Manchester United fan and he's doing Man City. He's ready-made for the job. So they called me in for an interview and uh, that was quite interesting because I had an interview and they asked me to talk about my role at Man City. They, they, they actually could tell me when I went in that where my season tickets were. They'd done all the homework on me because it was paramount that I was a Man United fan. They wanted... They'd scouted you. I love well, that. They'd scouted you. I know, I know. Well, I, I always call it, the, it was like a Bosman signing. You know, there, was, <laughs> there was no fee. But uh, it went great. <laughs> and, uh, and then we had a second, had a second interview um, just to sort of box off everything. And obviously... If I got the job, I'd have to leave City. And, you know, there was all these sides to it where they were very, very sort of concise on what they required Man United. So basically, we shook hands, we agreed. Um, at the time, uh, Mr. Kenyon was the chairman at Old Trafford, so we had to run it by him. And my first game at Old Trafford, very quickly, was um, Dennis Irwin's testimonial. He was uh, leaving United to go to run and play Wolves. And the ironic thing was, it was the Wednesday before the season started and it was against Man City. So I knew all the <laughs> players from Man City and one thing and another. So we, we, we played um, City at Old Trafford and that, that's how I cut my teeth. And then my actual first game in the Premier League at Old Trafford, which was incredible. You know, I mean, one, one full stadium, you can say, looks like another when you're on the pitch because you're looking round and, a full stadium is a full stadium, but 75,000 people 
introduced in Manchester United. It was against Newcastle. And the first two goals I announced were uh, Andrew Cole and Ronnie Johnson. We beat them 2-0. So that's it in a nutshell, yeah. my journey. So, yeah, it was an interesting yeah. journey. But a lot of years' work before that, you know, and do, doing bits of local radio and always mm. put myself up to present, you know, sports events and sports dinners and different things, trying to get yourself established on the circuit, you know. So mm. it's quite interesting because not a lot of people know this, but... It, many times people think it's our full-time job and I, I don't think I know any stadium announcer where they're employed full-time by the club as the stadium yeah. announcer. Sometimes you get lads who work for the club who might also be the announcer, but I yeah. had another job as well because I was a, a university lecturer in journalism and media at the University of Central Lancashire in Preston. So I had that as my full-time job. So it was a, a very busy time for me. There, I, I don't know anyone who who has it as a, a full-time job, not specifically at the club. You know, there's a few of us yeah. who I suppose are technically presenters, which is, you know, not exactly uh, not exactly a job that makes it easy when you're applying for uh, car insurance. I know that. But technically, we put down that we're presenters and we go around and do all kinds of stuff like this. But, but this job, especially... Um, it's just one that I think, you know, we'd, we'd love to do it full time if we could, you know, yeah. it's just, we just need a, a match every day of the week, um, but there aren't, which is, which is a shame. I know. Um, so, so I love that, that, you know, you were working at Man United and Man City at the same time. And, uh, you know, I, I have to confess when I started out in it, I, one of my jobs was I was working as a, a bar person. I was working behind the bar in Southampton. Yeah. And actually, at the same time, working for Portsmouth, right? <laughs> which is not which is not something anyone really should admit to. No, um, no. But I was I was crossing codes as well. We you put were, see, yeah. we put our lives on the line for these jobs, don't we? We certainly do, yeah. And anything <laughs> to get into the business, you know, you're hungry, and some people might say you'd sell your soul, but there's nothing like that, you know. You're trying to get into the business, and obviously, I always say to people, and particularly. On many occasions with some of the students, you know, I'd say to them, listen, you've got to see the opportunity, but more importantly, you've got to grab the opportunity. And sometimes, you know, you've got to do things that you don't really or wouldn't want to do first and foremost, but so it gets you put in the door. And I always say that if I didn't, if I hadn't have done the job at Man City, I'd never have got the job at Man United. So it was all meant to be. Well, there's more to come with Alan before the end of the podcast. And if you like what you're hearing or you're an announcer and we haven't reached out to you yet, get in touch. We'd love to have you on the pod. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram. We welcome your teams because I'm sure everyone's got a tale about how they got their job. I'm convinced still there's one stadium announcer somewhere that did have to stand up in front of a panel of people and read out a team sheet to get the job. Or maybe you're one of them that loves the job so much it takes over in real life. Are you that parent that on the kid's birthday party announces there will be an additional 10 minutes added time allowed on the bouncy castle? Oh, and speaking of added time, make sure you listen to episode two. We speak to Colin Carter. He was a stadium announcer at Carlisle United on the day they famously stayed up on the last day of the 98-99 season thanks to a 95th minute goal from on-loan goalkeeper Jimmy Glass. I said, the fourth official has shown you you've got four minutes of added time. We've got four minutes to save our football club. 
Colin Carter, who will be on this pod in the next episode. So make sure you're subscribed to We Welcome Your Teams to hear it. Back now, though, to Alan Keegan, voice of Old Trafford, who, as you can imagine, gets a few perks here and there of being the stadium announcer at one of the biggest clubs in the world. Now, I thought I got a few perks at West Brom when I found out my pitch access pass also gets me a free hot drink at Greg's in the fan zone. It's a different kettle of fish at Old Trafford and I'm going to ask him about that process of swapping Man City for Man United. Not the easiest thing to do. Find out how the rivalry between the two extends to even recruiting the guy for the tannoy. Here he is. Um, I just wonder what people... You know, I guess think because, like we said, there's so many different routes into being a stadium announcer. You know, there's so many different ways it can happen. And you know, I wonder about interviews. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I technically had an interview to to join West Brom. And I wonder, you know, what people think an interview for a stadium announcer is. But I take it they didn't make you sort of stand up in the room and read a starting eleven or anything. <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, they didn't. They were actually they, they were more concerned about the structure and the format of the day and. What had I done at Man City and what, you know, they wanted me to talk through my day from the minute I parked up in the car park. You know, what time did I arrive? Where did I go? How did I get the notes? How were they distributed to me? You know, script reads, you know, t- uh, sort of club reads, ticket reads. Oh, you know, they wanted so they were kind of, you, to start with, they were just using you as a double agent to see how City did it. Well, in many ways, it felt like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was one of those, oh, what did you do at half time? What activities did you have? What do you think the best activities are? What were the worst ones? What, what well, would you never do again if you had a choice? Ed, there's a whole new podcast there as well. I thought about that. I wondered about half-time games. Because <laughs> I've, I've been to some grounds and seen some great ones, but I've seen some absolute shockers as well. And I won't say at which club, but I've also been involved in a couple of cringeworthy ones too. <laughs> you, you and me, Rich. You and me. And we'll, that will be a brilliant podcast because I've got a list full, mate. Tell us a little bit about uh, the perks of being the stadium announcer for Manchester United. There are many. I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm honoured and I'm privileged to do the best job in the world. It's the club I love. And as part of that, sometimes I have sort of pinched myself and said, am I really doing this? You know, am I really involved with the club that I've sat and watched in the Stretford End? I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm part of the heartbeat. And I suppose with Manchester United, there's a lot of involvement and engagement with the sponsors and the partners because obviously, you know, they've got some of the biggest names in the world associated with the club, you know, Adidas, Chevrolet, just to name a few, Aon, etc. And I suppose one of the things that's worked for me is the engagement on a partnership activity because what will happen there is you'll have the players involved as well. So obviously the club will ask me to host or present it you'll end up doing maybe a quick interview with the players or an activity with the players. So that's one part of it. But I suppose the biggest perk that I've had with being the announcer at Manchester United is that I've had the privilege over the years, I've been on seven summer tours with them. And that's just been incredible, Rich, because it's taken me all over the world. I mean, I've been to, you know, America numerous times, America, um, Australia, Hong Kong, Japan, I've been, you know, to different parts of the world that I would never, ever have got to see. You know, South Africa was a wonderful experience, as I said there a moment ago, Japan. And with that, with that comes the fact that it's not necessarily to be the announcer in the stadium because 
they've already got their own stadium announcers. So sometimes yeah. I might just turn up and be do a guest interview, you know, with their announcer because obviously it's a, one of the biggest days for him. You know, he's announcing his team against Manchester United. He doesn't want me coming in, and neither would I want to go in and, and sort of do it. You know, it's not fair on that guy. But they'll, you know, they'll roll me out and I'll have a quick interview with them. I'll have a chat. But the perk of being on the tour and seeing how it all runs and being part of the open training and seeing what they do at that and the machine that Manchester United is, you know, the the, mm. the brand and the following and you know, you you, you go to China and the, the, there's absolutely thousands at the airport waiting to see the team and it's just an incredible experience to be part of that. It's it's it, it's one of those well, many memories that I'll keep with me for the rest of my life to think that, you know, I'd actually managed to do um, seven tours. They don't do it as much now because they concentrate more on the actual training and the team on the tour. So I've not been on one for, for a couple of years, but I did seven. Oh, the, the jolly stopped. They shut down on the jolly. Oh, I know. I know. Well, this oh. the, all good things must come to an end, but <laughs> I'm still feeding off the memories and uh, it's been incredible. It's been been fantastic and as I say you know with, with things like that there's lots of other perks I mean you know I managed to um, get the gig as the Premier League announcer on the biggest selling football game in the world FIFA 20 so if you want my dulcet tones if you're playing the game you can press a button and there I am you know I think I even appear oh. I, I think I appear at most of the, the stadium so you know I don't know if that's a perk but there's, there's lots of spin-offs that happen with United Loads of voiceovers. Adidas asked me this year, they launched the third kit, which if you're a United fan, you'll know it. It's a black kit. And uh, it came out, I think, about in September. And uh, Adidas got in touch and asked me to do the voiceover for it. So, you know, it's a wonderful job, Rich. And I'm so fortunate and lucky. And we're just, you know, touching the tip of the iceberg here with what I've been involved in. It's been, been a real privilege, mate. I love that on the kits because Man United are well known, you know, and they were the pioneers, weren't they, of releasing about twelve kits a season. So if you could get it, you get you get a voiceover gig for every uh, every kit that comes out. That's all you need, plus a couple of home games a month. Well, I tell you what, it would be handy if you were doing twelve kits. You're right. Yeah, I think it's restricted now to three, but I get it. I know what you're saying, and uh, that's yeah. what we need. We need we need a bit, a few more gigs like that. But yeah, no, yeah, listen, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> part of your legacy, isn't it? It's part of your legacy is you know, the voice of Old Trafford because that's something that'll always be there. You know, if it ended at the end of this season, well, the memories I've got, you know, were unbelievable and just like I say, it's 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 mind blowing sometimes to think what I've done and where I've been. Let's just uh let's let's just go on to the year two fifty five moment because, you know, it's it's what I think every stadium announcer lives for. Really, you know, we, we do loads of great stuff in that build up to kick off, you know, depending on what, what sort of setup you've got. Some of us, you know, are lucky enough to be out on the pitch. We've got cameras, we've got big screens. Sometimes there are uh, people to introduce an interview before or after the game, but 2.55 or five minutes to kick off is kind of, that's our that's our moment, isn't it? That That's the reason we're there. It's that uh, everybody, the waiting's over, here are the teams, bang on the music make some noise. So tell it, just, just, just give me, just take me into slightly what that, that, that sort of five minutes involves for you and what it's like. Yeah. Well, it, obviously it's incredible because depending on, on the day of the, the week that we're playing the game, but it, it's just 
you know, makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end because I, as I, I tend to do the, the, the pre-match announcements from the centre tunnel and anybody who's ever been at Old Trafford, where the dugouts are, it's the old players tunnel back, back in the day where, you know, some apples being the team, they came out there. So I, I tend to stand in the dugout, have me folder and do the teams stood in the dugout. And then just as you say, just around sort of 10 to 3, if it's the 3 o'clock kickoff, obviously, I'll walk down to what we call the players' tunnel, um, just get ourselves set. You know, a lot of the time, most of the time, United are on TV, so you know that they'll they'll be coming out at 56, the bell will get rang at 55, uh, the players' bell, and, and the referee will ring that. And basically, I'm stood at the end of the tunnel. But something I always do, Rich, when I'm stood at the end of the players' tunnel, I always do a 360-degree turn, and I look around at the stadium. And I think to myself, wow, because within that time period, it just seems to fill up, you know, quarter to three, ten to three, you'll see spaces in the seats. All of a sudden, just prior to the kickoff, it's absolutely bursting. The noise is immense. And once we see the first team in the tunnel, our signal to the fans is the Stone Roses. This is the one. Because the minute we get eye contact, I then through the walkie-talkie, will say to the PA room, you know, the players are in the tunnel, bang, and we've got, we start it off with the guitar, because the Stone Roses, it's got a very low intro for anybody who knows it well, of 30 seconds, and then it kicks in with the guitar riff and the drum beat, and we play it at that point, and you just know, this is it, you know, the theatre of dreams, it's the arena, and, you know, you get, the butterflies, it's like a nervous excitement. You know, Old Trafford, will you please welcome West Bromwich Albion and, you know, Manchester United. But it's the big build-up of welcome to the Theatre of Dreams. You know, Sir Bobby Charlton gave it that name. Welcome to the Theatre of Dreams. And then you're playing the Stone Roses and then obviously the teams walk out and you've got the music playing and then you've got the handshake music and the, the stadium is erupting the minute they see you know, Harry Maguire, the first red shirt to see coming out. It's just an unbelievable feeling. And at Old Trafford now, they've started sort of giving people the option to sit in the Stratford end. You know, if you want to if you want to be part of more of a, a singing section as such, you know, um, the, the, the Red Army, as it's called, has been organising this. So over last season and this season, it's getting bigger and bigger with more fans who just want to sing and participate instead of being sort of spread out all over the stadium. And, I've really seen and heard the difference this season, Rich. You know, in the Stratford end, it's really starting to sound the best it sounded in quite a few years. So it's all amazing and it's just fantastic. And 75,000 people, it, it, it's unreal. Now, believe me, if I could play you those first 30 seconds of the one by the Stone Roses without any fear of the copyright people coming knocking at the door, I would. Maybe you've been at Old Trafford for that 2.55 moment. Let me know what you thought. You can get us on Instagram. We welcome your team's pod or Twitter as well. Just look out for at announcers pod. Very soon in the series, I'll be introducing you to the man who I work with at West Bromwich Albion. He's called Matt James. Now, he's been doing it for about 35 years there, and we're both still on the mic on a match day. But he's been doing it for a long time and he's also been doing what I think is one of the biggest commutes to a job I've ever heard of. I fly back for every home game 
uh, and stay for a few days or sometimes a week if it's two or three games in a week and fly backwards and forwards uh, to coincide with the fixtures really. Uh, total mileage round trip is 3,600. Now if your stadium announcer at your club goes above and beyond like that, let us know. We can get them on the pod. Right now time for our final part with the voice of Old Trafford, Alan Keegan. He's not paid me to say that, I just think it sounds cool. Uh, We've already discovered that he started his announcing career at Man City. And after successfully making the swap without the faff of any giant Carlos Tevez-style banner, he's enjoyed 20 years behind the mic for Man United. One thing I wanted to ask him was about being able to do a fully professional job while still being a fan. And he told me it's not always possible. There are a few times where I'm afraid my professionalism has slipped slightly, um, but at the same time, you know, we are fans, we love the club, and I think sometimes, you know, when there has been the odd slip, you know, it's been okay, it's been nothing serious, it's just, it's been more an emotional thing rather yeah. than a verbal thing, so, you know, where well, well, we Well, are, are we talking a goal against Liverpool, or, or you know, it's not, because sometimes it's not always the highs, it's the lows as well. Yeah, it is, you know, and, 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 and I suppose, you know, yeah, I mean, when, when Paul Scholes scored the, the goal in the semi-final in 2008 against Barcelona that ended up being the winner to take us to the final of the Champions League. When he scored that goal, I, I went hysterical at the side of the pitch, you know, um, just celebrating before they announced it because I knew that if we got to the final, rain, hail or shine, I was going to go to that final, you know, um, and I wanted to be part of it. And I was Because, re- again, it's like what you just said, in '99. I've been to most of the away European games as a fan and I missed the final at the new Camp but for whatever reason I missed it and I vowed if you ever got to the Champions League in my fight in my time I'd go so I was determined Rain Hay or Shannon when Scolti scored it. It was the <laughs> longest, longest seventy five minutes of my life, both as an announcer. Yeah, it was an early goal, I remember, yeah. Yeah, fifteen minutes, it was a rocket into the East End goal and yeah. What a moment! So yeah, it, it, like you said, the highs and lows. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? What kind of celebration was it? Because the first thing I think of when I think of Old Trafford touchline celebrations is Brian Kidd. No, on his knees. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> was, was I, it a, a knee slide? Was it you yeah, know just a little bit of running around? What no, was it? It was a bit of like a chicken run up and down the other way, up and down the dugout side, <laughs> as opposed to running on the pitch. I think if I'd have done that, I wouldn't be there. We wouldn't be on this. <laughs> Well, we might be, but we might be talking about my last game at Old Trafford. You know, it's more of a <laughs> run up and down, you know, where you just, you're in a confined space and you can't like let your true, yeah. well, you can't let your true emotion explode. But I just, I had nowhere to run, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I know it's kind of like, <clears throat> dust yourself down. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and here's the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, exactly. You know, and it's one of those where the, if you do know the tunnel at Old Trafford, the old, the old players tunnel, there's a little bit of a gap. And sometimes I've, I've actually gone down there because it's out of sight. It's not got any cameras down there. You can't see down there. Sometimes I've just gone down there to let my emotions get the better of me and just then <clears throat> straighten me time, walk out and then do the announcement because sometimes the emotion gets too much for you, you know. And It's like um, when Ruud van Nistelrooy was uh, going to get the 10 goals, um, consecutive goals for United. I don't know if you remember this, but... Jamie Vardy equal the record a couple of seasons ago, but um, Ruben Isroy was about to take a penalty at Old Trafford, and whenever there's a, a penalty being taken, I have my microphone and the folder at the side of me, um, 
not in my hand at the side of the pit dugout and I don't pick up the microphone so the, the ball's at the back of the net. It's just one of those superstitious things that I've got that I don't do. And um, anyway, it was back in the day when there used to be a lot more people around the dugout, backroom staff and people like that. And Ruben Isseroy scored the goal, the stadium erupted, you know, we'd broken the record, 10 consecutive goals. I was about to announce this historic moment. And as I looked down, the microphone wasn't there. And you can imagine the next 30 seconds, it felt like 10 minutes. I'm sort of yeah. semi, I'm panicking, where's my microphone gone? No. And, uh, you might remember, it was, it was actually, it was an ex-City player, but it was the goalkeeping coach at United, a lad called Tony Colton. TC. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, he was a right, I think he was a Birmingham lad, actually. Um, he was a real comedian. He'd only lifted his mic up and hid it in his jacket, you know, while all the celebrations were going on. And you, <laughs> as a stadium announcer, you'll appreciate, I, I'm like the fit. Yeah. I'm going to miss this moment because you, you've got to announce it before the... Yeah, you can't leave it too long. No, you can't restart, when they restart the game. You're yeah. crashing it. So, uh, anyway, big laugh on his face, big smile, and he just handed it over to me, you know. But it sounds nothing now. But at that moment, such a historic moment for Ruben Nisselroy and for me to announce that historic moment and no microphone to be seen. It was uh, one of those comical moments. We've... Um... I've, I've, I've had that before at West Brom a couple of times where, um, because we have, we have a little microphone. So I have a, a radio mic and uh, it, it's, it's not on. They've got, they've got the fader up in the booth, but it's not on. I control switching it on and off. Yeah. Um, and it's a real fiddly way to switch it on. I've, I've, I've finally, after like five years, developed a skill of using my little finger on the bottom of the mic to switch it on and off. Yeah. But we've had times where, um, for whatever reason, it's not worked or I've scrambled around for it and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not as superstitious as you. If it, Sometimes, even if there's been a corner, I've switched it on just in case we've got to announce a goal because you don't want to miss that. No. There's, there's, there, there is like a gap, isn't there? After a goal goes in, yes. there's, there's a sweet spot, isn't there? there? Between there is, yeah. where, the, where the crowd are still celebrating, but it's just starting to come down a little bit and you can come in, announce the goal, the goal scorer, and it'll roar again for a little bit. But if you leave it too long, as we've had before when we couldn't work out who scored, that was the worst. When West Brom played Leeds uh, this season at home, it was 1-1. Yeah. We couldn't work out for ages who'd scored the West Brom goal. Oh, yeah. And, and I had to punt in the end. It was one of Shemi Ajay or Carl Bartley because both had gone up for the corner. Yeah. And both were in there. And, of course, they scored, but everyone ran over to them. Everyone piled on them. And I just had to, and, and, and as all of this is going on, I'm waiting and waiting for it to become clear who scored. Right. And, and you've got that feeling that that time's ticking away in your head. You're losing your moment for the sweet spot. And it's, it's, it's really hard to hit. And it took us ages to work out who it was. And because I didn't want to miss the sweet spot, I announced it was, I think I announced it was Carl Bartley and it turned out to be Shemi Ajay. But mm. you, you have to say something. But you, that, that, it's a horrible moment if you can't get it out there, isn't it? Oh, it, it, it's, it's because that's part of the job. That's, that's your responsibility. And one, you definitely want to get it right. And two, you want to get it said, as you say, at that sweet spot. You know, you want to get it well. You want to let the fans celebrate. You don't want to be sort of crashing them celebrating. But then if it just starts to dip, you need to come back in on it again just prior to the game restarting and, and give the fans another moment to celebrate. So, yeah, we've we've all been there. I've, I've had moments. Um, there might be another podcast for 
where we've had files <laughs> to say the least, because I'm sure we've all got a story where we've got it wrong. Well, I can tell you now that there will be another chat with Alan before season one is done. And he'll be along when we chat with some of our other guests on the pod too, but a big thanks to him for kicking us off in the series. And thanks to you for uh, sticking around, not leaving before the end to get the early train. Uh, If you want to know more, then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Look for We Welcome Your Teams. Uh, Got a couple of great episodes coming up. Colin Carter on one of the most famous days of the season at Carlisle United. Yep, the Jimmy Glass goal. He was the announcer. And also speaking to Matt James, who was the announcer at West Bromwich Albion when they pulled off the great escape. We Welcome Your Teams is a Gifted Gab production. You can find out about their podcasting at giftedgab.co.uk. Massive thanks for listening to this episode. I'll see you on the next one of We Welcome Your Teams. In fact, I should probably do that like proper announcer style, shouldn't I? Thank you very much for your support today, ladies and gentlemen. Please have a safe journey home and we'll see you back here very soon. Yeah, that's better.